Hello and welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. Let me be clear, I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint trying to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that for those struggling to study Come Follow Me for whatever reason, maybe because you're single and you don't have others to study with, or like me, your kids are still too young to understand English, or really for any other reason, that you will allow me to join your family for about 30 minutes to help with that gospel dialogue. With that, let's start this family room discussion. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, this is episode 12, following along with lesson 12, Jacob 5 through 7. And holy cow, what in the world is happening right now? Uh, so, so first, Lex and I just got back from vacation. We were in Cancun, Mexico. We went with our friends Devin and Kelsey and Charlie and Dan. Had a great time with them and a great time in Mexico. I'd never been to Cancun before. And so we were able to visit some ruins and... Uh, we went to Chicken Pizza, I mean, excuse me, Chichen Itza, and that's one of the seven wonders of the world, so that was great to get our picture in front of, so I can mark that off the list. Uh, we did some high adventure stuff, like some zip lining and some cave exploring, and then we got to swim in some cenotes, and that was probably my, the, my favorite part, because we don't have those, at least that I know of here, so that was, you know, a big highlight for me. And it was just, it was a blast. We had a great time, able to relax on the beach, get some sun, and uh, no, it was a ton of fun. Really glad we did it. Well, halfway through our trip, uh, we started seeing first the NBA cl- uh, canceled its games, then the NCAA canceled its games, and then just sports in general canceled all of their games. And then uh, we saw borders closing to countries. We saw travel restrictions on countries and areas of the world, and and. Uh, and then, and I have to be honest, to that point, I was like, well, I guess this was expected to happen. Uh, I mean, it's it's serious, but this was kind of expected. And then all of a sudden, I got the church email that says, and now church will be uh, suspended for the, you know, the near future and the time being. And I was like, oh, man, well, now, you know, and uh, so I was texting people back home saying, like, what's happening? What's the response? And uh, one of my friends who's not a member it was funny because she texted me and said, you know, the, to me, this just looks like the flu, but everyone's talking about the end of times. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, essentially how this is it. And I started laughing because, um, you know, I could see how that would be our first, especially as members, uh, our first response being, well, these are the signs of the times and the end of days. And uh, for those not of our faith, or those who just aren't of the, you know, the belief about the end of times or the end of days, this is probably, <laughs> it's probably kind of confusing living in Utah where you're seeing, and, and I know this is happening, uh, you know, worldwide right now, but, or at least US-wide where, you know, toilet paper, toilet paper flying off the shelves and everyone's stocking up on everything right now. And, uh, so I, I laughed at her response because I was like, yeah, I could see how that might be a little confusing, especially being in, in Utah and kind of the heart of Utah where uh, that would be the talk of the town. So I missed it all. I mean, I'm, I'm back now, so we'll see what happens. I, I, I know it's not over by any means, but uh, yeah, 
we're back. And I'm glad to say we were able to make it back in the country just fine. In fact, uh, I was so impressed by how like fast we were able to get off the plane once we arrived, once we touched down in Utah and get through security and customs and everything. It was so fast. I've never gone through, you know, the checkpoint that fast. And I don't know if that's just, you know, Utah airport has it figured out or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, but it was awesome. It was fantastic and it was great to be home. And uh, it was a fun trip. Really loved it. So um, I shared, the other big thing is that I shared on social media that this podcast exists. Um, I had been waiting to do that because, and I, and I said this in my social media post, but I've been waiting to get approval on Apple, Apple Podcasts because I know that a lot of people especially my circles, have told me they only listen to podcasts if it's on Apple Podcasts. So I was waiting to get approval. However, I, uh, for those that don't know, to get approval on Apple Podcasts is probably one of the hardest things ever. Uh, it's like a two-week vetting process, and if you mess anything up in the whole process, you have to start all over, which happened with me uh, two weeks ago. So a month ago, I started the process, and then two weeks in, I got an email saying that something was wrong and I need to start over. So I started over. We're still waiting for approval. And, uh, but I, when I got back and really realizing with how church was canceled, I guess that's a terrible way to put it, but, uh, postponed, suspended, I don't know, whatever. I was like, you know what, if it were me, I know that this would kind of be a time where I would be looking for, um, for something to, to listen to, or to be able to help my, my Sunday and Sabbath day observance and come follow me lessons. And I figured, you know what, now's as good of a time as any. And so um, I guess you could say I shared it because of the times. Uh, I do want to say I did not predict this would happen. I did not start this podcast thinking that everyone was going to have to be staying home. Um, I, Like I've said, I had this idea back in January. And the reason I wanted to do this was because I had been talking to my friends and, and not everyone does come follow me. And they had mentioned just how sometimes it's really difficult to do come follow me and it makes it tough to get started. And so I thought, you know, I like it best when I'm able to, you know, hear from and talk to other people about their studies and what they're learning, because then it gets my mind going and flowing with ideas. So um, as I say in the introduction, I'm not a seminary teacher. Um, in fact, I I had one time wanted to be and did the course at BYU to try and become a seminary teacher and didn't even get accepted. So if that helps kind of figure out where the bar is there for for me as a seminary teacher, it's not. It's non-existent. I'm not a church historian in any way. Uh, I just, I love this gospel. I love the scriptures and I love studying. And so I'm just trying to help get those ideas flowing. And so all of that to say, now kind of felt like the right time to share it all, especially as everyone's kind of home. <clears throat> on Sunday, and and I just thought, if you're looking for something, then maybe this could be it. And so I really appreciate the feedback I've gotten thus far, and people have been really supportive and great. And uh, so thank you all. I genuinely appreciate it, uh, because I've never done this before. I was kind of hesitant to even do it. And I just thought, you know, it's a good thought, and maybe it's a prompting, and, I, and I'm the type of person who would just rather act on it and then, you know, fall flat on my face, then not act on it and have regrets. And so here we are. Also, I wasn't kidding. When I said I want feedback, I genuinely want feedback. If 
you know, if this is not helpful or this, uh, you think there's ways that this could be more helpful, please share those with me. And I want to give a shout out and a thank you to my friend Bridget up in Wyoming. Uh, she immediately shared her feedback and some things that she thought I could do to improve after listening. And I am so grateful. I really do want to implement the things that she shared with me. And uh, hopefully I can make this better over time. And, you know, just over time I improve and become less ADD. <laughs> but uh, so thank you to Bridget and also uh, Lex and I. Your, our prayers are with you and your husband. Uh, Hunter is, you guys get ready for your baby. Super excited for you guys and um, praying that coronavirus does not hit you or your family in any way. So with all of that, let me jump in to the chapter intro. There are many, many people who haven't yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you ever feel overwhelmed by the immensity of the task of gathering them into the Lord's church, the allegory of the olive tree in Jacob 5 has a reassuring reminder. The vineyard belongs to the Lord. He has given each of us a small area to assist in his work, our family, our circle of friends, our sphere of influence. And sometimes the first person we help gather is ourselves. I'd like to give an amen to that. But we are never alone in this work, for the Lord of the vineyard labors alongside his servants. God knows and loves his children, and he will prepare a way for each of them to hear his gospel, even those who have rejected him in the past. And then, when the work is done, all those who have been diligent in laboring with him shall have joy with him because of the fruit of his vineyard. And I just want to say that that verse sticks out to me, that it highlights um, where it says, but we are never alone in this work for the Lord of the vineyard labors alongside his servants in Jacob 572. It says, and it came to pass that the servants did go and labor with their mites and the Lord of the vineyard labored also with them. And they did obey the commandments of the Lord of the vineyard in all, in all things. And that verse stuck out to me on my mission. Um, obviously as I was a missionary and I was studying with that perspective in mind, um, that, that meant the world to me of, of knowing that the Lord is, was with me in my missionary labor. And that gave me confidence as I went, you know, tracting, which was my least favorite activity. It did give me confidence of, of knowing that it wasn't just me and my companion, but we had a third member with us and that was Jesus Christ. And the true is the same is true. Excuse me. The same is true today. Uh, you know, whether you're on a mission or not, it's true. Every member a missionary, but in your ministering efforts, it's not just you and either your spouse or like, so for me, I don't, I don't think I have a companion. I think it's just my wife, but in those efforts, uh, Jesus is with us in, um, your callings in just your daily interactions with your friends. Like the Lord is with you in everything, especially as you reach out and ask for his help. Um, you can have the confidence of knowing he's with you. And for me, that's huge. Uh, because I, so I'm an introvert and I think a lot of people think that that, like I, I make, I'm joking when I say that because I have one of the, I, I, I guess I have a big personality. I've been told that, but I'm actually an introvert. Uh, not in the sense of like, you know, I don't like, I, I can talk to people. I'm not, I mean, I am an awkward person, but they're unrelated, but I can talk to people just fine, but it does, uh, specifically strangers, the amount of energy energy it takes for me to talk to strangers is like immense. And I pretty much pass out right after I finish. And so for me, it helps a ton knowing that the Lord is with me and that it's not just on me. Um, to me, that's a huge promise. And, I, and so I love that. That verse sticks out to me a lot. So moving on to the section ideas for personal scripture study, 
in Jacob 5, 5 to 6, it says, what is an allegory? Allegories are stories that teach spiritual truths that are symbols. In the allegory of the olive trees, for example, a vineyard represents the world. A tame olive tree represents Israel, um, those who have made covenants with God. And wild olive tree represents the Gentile nations or those who have not made covenants with God. As you study the allegory in Jacob 5, look for additional symbols and ponder what they might mean. For example, what do you think the good fruit represents and what could the bad fruit symbolize? So that question, I actually, when I first read it, I was like, well, I guess that's kind of obvious. Like the good fruit are the good people and the bad fruit are the bad people. But then I stopped and I was like, well, wait a minute. I thought the good people are the ones laboring in the vineyard or the servants of, of God. And then I was like, wait, so are the good servants also the good fruit? Anyway, as you can see, I'm not going to break down kind of what I started thinking. Well, I'll do it a little bit. Essentially, what I think is it can mean a lot of things. Um, for me, the first one that sticks out is that the good fruit and bad fruit is good works and bad works. I kind of took it as how it's been used in uh, Christ's parables where he talks about, you know, uh, you'll know them by their fruit. Or I guess it's by their fruit you shall know them. Anyway, um, so I was thinking about that. Maybe it's our good works and our bad works. and Or it's, you know, it could be souls. I think the message kind of remains uniform across, which is like, we want the good fruit. We want to be the good fruit. Um, we want to do good works and have our labors be good before Christ, however it goes. Um, but I just realized that maybe it's not as clear cut. And actually, if I stop and ponder more, then then more things come out. So really what I want to do is take this as an opportunity to share and say, when you see questions like this, I know for me, when I saw a question like this, I was like, oh, I can move on. And as I started thinking about it, if I, as I paused and just started thinking about it a little more, I realized that, you know, these things can actually spur more thought than just, you know, what you say is obvious or what sticks out is obvious. So, you know, use these opportunities of these questions to really take them seriously, because for me, it helped my study. And uh, yeah, I, it just helped enhance whatever I was thinking and make maybe really what it helped me do is realize, oh, I guess I don't know everything just right off the bat. In the next chunk, it says, Jesus Christ is the Lord of the vineyard. Before you begin your study of the allegory of the olive trees in Jacob 5, it might be helpful to review Jacob 5, 4, 10 to 18 to learn why Jacob felt inspired to share this allegory with his people. In, Jacob's, in Jacob chapter 6, verses 3 to 5, you can find some additional messages that Jacob wanted to emphasize. Look for the messages in the allegory. What messages do you find for yourself in Jacob 5? Um, I'm going to pause there. There's more, but I'm going to pause right there and just say, so I remember being a teenager and I hated Jacob 5. And the reason was, number one, it's like the longest book in the Book of Mormon. And it's a lot of verses, 77 if I'm not mistaken. And I remember as a teenager, and I can literally picture this. I was in my bed, I had my scriptures, my quad in my BYU scripture case. Because at that time in my life, everything was about getting into BYU. And I figured if I just surround myself with BYU stuff, I'd get in. I did get in, but I'm not sure if that's why. But I remember opening up. I was in Jacob 5, and I I didn't know previous to that. I didn't know that was the biggest book. And I just remember opening it and looking at it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this will take me days. And it probably did. But I also remember thinking that it made no sense 
And it was very confusing. And it just kept repeating itself over and over. Like he kept using the same words. And I remember being like, this is the most pointless book in the entire Book of Mormon. So now fast forward, I was on my mission and, you know, a little bit more spiritually mature. And uh, I remember I had on my mission, the way I would study with personal studies, I had um, a study journal. And then I had a, a, a white notebook, like a like one of those legal pads. And I would write all my spiritual thoughts in this journal. And then I would do anything that didn't make sense to me. I would break down on this legal pad. And so when I got to Jacob 5, I remember thinking, you know, with my previous information and knowledge of a teenager, I remember being like, oh boy, here we go. This one makes no sense to me. We're definitely going to need the legal pad. And so I started drawing uh, everything as it happened. I take it verse by verse and I do these like crappy little trees because I can't draw. Uh, Definitely was not gifted. Uh, from heaven, I did not get touched with the artistic ability, unfortunately. But I remember I would I would draw these crappy trees, and I would do fruit on the tree and try and you know mimic the story. And I remember doing lines as you know he would as the Lord of the Vineyard would graft in and graft out, like take the branches, whatever. I would draw that and do lines leading to different trees and different areas and stuff like that. Well, the reason this is really cool is I did not know that the church has already done the footwork for that. And at the very bottom of this lesson, there's a chart. And that chart breaks down exactly what I had done. Except their drawings are way better and probably make a lot more sense than mine did. Um, That's really cool. To me, that's really cool. And uh, I just know that when I did that for myself, that helped my study a ton. It actually helped me really appreciate Jacob 5, and it became one of my favorites because... I remember as I was breaking down things, I was making the parallels of like, oh my goodness, these are the Nephites and the Lamanites, or like, these are the scattered people of Israel. Like, I don't know, it was one of those like, like you're solving a puzzle, and uh, I was Nicolas Cage in in National Treasure, and here I was solving mysteries that have never been solved, even though, go figure, I guess they have. But uh, that really enhanced my study. So... So Jacob 5 means a lot to me, but and I won't break down everything uh, because I really think this is something that for your personal study you should try doing because this uh, this allegory really does tell the story of, you know, the scattered tribes of Israel as well as uh, the Book of Mormon people as well as what's happening with us now as the gathering of Israel is happening and as we prepare for the millennium. And I think you'll get a, a lot more out of it by doing this yourself. But one verse sticks out in particular that I just wanted to share, and that is at verse 22. So chapter 5, verse 22, it says, And the Lord of the vineyard said unto him, Counsel me not. I knew that it was a poor spot of ground, wherefore I said unto thee, I have nourished it this long, and thou beholdest that it hath brought forth much fruit. The part that sticks out to me the most there is, Counsel me not. And that is something that I have to remember all the time. Um, I don't think that I'm counseling the Lord ever, but sometimes I'll receive a revelation for myself or from the prophet, and I I will start to think like, well, why are we being told to do this? Why why all this? And for example, one of them was come follow me. When we made that change to come follow me, I was one of the few members, probably in the entire church, who was not excited about it. I was not um, super happy or enthused. And if I'm being honest, the reason why was because I loved the old system with uh, the teachings of the prophets manuals. And it was because I was going home and reading all of those myself. And then I'd come to church all prepared. But I recognized that not a ton of members were doing that. 
And uh, I guess I'm kind of weird there. And then also, right, like you weren't always uniform, especially just with the way that, that it worked. You could go to one word. Anyway, Come Follow Me has been immensely great. It's been, an, to me, it's been an immensely great program, especially now with everything that's happening in the world and the fact that church has now uh, been suspended for for all of us. Now I start to see um, just the wisdom, both of the Lord and of President Nelson, of kind of making these changes. And so not that I went around telling people like how horrible Come Follow Me was or anything like that, but I just internally was not happy. I'm, I'm admitting that. I wasn't super excited for it. But over time, I grew to love it and, and thought it, think it's great. I think it's great now. Um, but also, I can see the wisdom in how great it has been to have this, especially yesterday. Is, um, me and my family, uh, it, was, it was me, Lex, and my kids. And then we went over to my parents' house with uh, and got together with my sister and, and brother-in-law. And we're able to do our sacrament meeting and still be able to have the church format in our own homes. And, and you could just, man, just for me personally, I just want to share how inspired our prophet is and how great it is that we are able to still be consistent, even when we aren't able to be organized as, as a congregation, uh, we can still have the church with us always. And this program, this come follow me, you know, whether it's a program or, or whatever this is, this is so immensely great to have in our lives and and it's inspired and i know that and so um i need to remember that counsel me not um it's not for me to counsel the lord and a lot of times you know what well, come follow me was what like a year and two three months ago that that got that got started it was you know the beginning of 2019 and it took all the way to now to see like oh wow you know for times like this where the world starts falling apart Maybe this is why. And uh, and that's how it goes. Sometimes things happen and we don't understand. And we need to have the faith until we do understand instead of, you know, trying to counsel the Lord. So that, that's my thought there. And that really sticks out in that verse. And then moving on in the same chunk, it says Jacob 5 is a long chapter, <laughs> which is kind of an understatement. But the longest in the Book of Mormon, perhaps it would help to divide it into the following sections which describe periods of the world's history. And and I actually totally agree with this. It was very helpful to study it as I broke it down into the periods of the history. I'm glad it did it for me so I didn't have to think through that. But uh, one kind of funny thought that sticks out is that in Jacob chapter 4, verse 1, he talks about how difficult it is to write in the plates. And then he's like, nah, I'm going to write the biggest, the largest and longest book in the Book of Mormon. So I just think it's funny because on one hand, he's like, oh, it's just really difficult to write in these plates. And then on the other, he's like, and here we go. 77 verses. Let's do this. Um, I don't know. To me, that was humorous. And so, yeah, like I said, uh, break it down through the verses. I think that makes it really helpful in, in your study. And then in the next chunk, it says, God invites me to help him gather his children. Uh, the other servants who were called in the Lord's Vineyard include people like you. As members of the church, we are all responsible to help gather his children. What principles do you find in Jacob 5, especially verses 6, 61 to 62 and 70 to 75, about working in the Lord's Vineyard? How have you felt him call you to serve in his vineyard? What experiences have you had while participating in his work? Um, 
So there are two videos associated in this chunk. And one of them said it's the Old Testament olive vineyard video. I don't know if you watched this back in seminary. Uh, I don't know when it came out. But all I know is this is like the greatest video the church has ever released. If you haven't watched this, go and watch this video. Because it's amazing. And nothing's better than watching like, you know, four teenage actors be taught. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this video. It really is great. This is actually, I think I remember this video in seminary. And this was like the first time that had kind of helped me with Jacob 5. And uh, and I remember it was because of this video that on my mission, I even was like, okay, maybe there's something worth breaking down instead of just reading really quick to get over it. But uh, I love this video. Oh my gosh, I love this video so much. Watch it. It's the greatest. It really is the greatest. And then uh, the video by M. Russell Ballard, Elder M. Russell Ballard, President M. Russell Ballard is also great. Um, yeah, I love that video. It's amazing. Okay, in the next chunk, Jacob 7, 1 to 23, it says, I can stand strong when others challenge my faith. Uh, the Nephites' experience with Sherem is often repeated today. There may be learned, well-spoken people who try to destroy your faith. And I would say, when I first think of that, I would, I think of people that are like, you know, aggressively trying to destroy your faith. But I want to stop and say, I've seen it more where people are very tricky, you know. And, and I've actually seen it more where it's members who have left the church and uh, they come to people, you know, who are strong in the faith and then try and, you know, just dissuade them from I, I I've I am seeing this currently in my life right now actually there's someone I there's some there's a friend I have right now who uh they have a friend I don't want this to become a friend of a friend but but they have a friend who you know I I don't know if they've left I don't know what the situation is but I do know that they've talked to me about just some anti stuff that they've shared with them and uh just kind of challenging their faith and I've just you know cautioned to be to be super careful because um, that anti stuff is is dangerous and and I've said this I've said this before I'm a type of person who loves information I love knowledge and I love searching and seeking it but anti doctrine and anti literature is one thing that I stick so far away from because I know I'm the type of person who if I started reading it um, I have a lot of pride where I would think oh I can't be I can't be, you know, my faith can't be shaken or jostled or whatever like that. And it's because I know that about myself that I stay so far away. I keep that stuff as far away from me as possible because it, that would be my big weakness, right? Like I know that about myself, so I do everything I can. And I've been tempted at times. I've heard people read things that they're like, this is what, this is the thing that got me to not believe in the church anymore. And I'm like, well, what was in it? Because I think it was probably a load of garbage. And then I'm like, don't read it. Whatever you do, do not read it because I don't want anything to shake to shake my testimony or my faith. Even if it's something that just sits there and like a cancer starts to decay at me, I don't want anything, you know, even remotely close to me. The thing that sticks out to me, I guess, uh, lately, I've heard, I, I don't know what this is. And like I said, because I keep stuff, I try to keep the stuff so far away from me that I'm like not knowledgeable in it. All I know is that I guess there was this letter that went around years ago and I've heard it crop back up in circles that uh, it was written like by an institute teacher or something. I Like I said, if it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about, it's because I don't know what I'm talking about. But whatever it was, it was this letter and uh, it, it was 
I don't know if it was like this person was purposely trying to get people to leave or, or he was just trying to point. I don't know. But what I do know is that the results have been the people that have read this letter have been like, that was all I needed to know. And I left the church and I'm like, then keep that thing as far away from me as possible. I don't want, I don't want to read it. I don't want my wife reading it. I don't want my kids reading it. I don't want anyone that I love reading that letter. And I want to point out, it's not because I'm, I'm some, I'm like somehow scared of this, uh, this truth coming out that ends up, you know, destroying my testimony or my faith. It's not that, let me tell you, like, it's definitely not that it's, it's that Satan is sneaky and tricky. And through my experience, I've seen the results that have happened of people that have left and become anti towards the church and towards the prophet. If, if everything was, was a load of garbage, as far as this gospel and this church goes, then I don't care because to me, the blessings that have come and the types of lives that people live who remain faithful to me, that's the life I would like to live more than what I've seen of people that have left the church and become angry and bitter. Uh, from my own experience and my own witness, that does not look like the life I want to live. And that's just me personally. Um, but I keep that point being, I keep that anti stuff away and, uh, I'll move on, but there's one story I want to share. So I'll move on. It says, but Jacob could not be shaken. How did Jacob respond when his faith was attacked? What do you learn from his responses? What can you do now to prepare for times when your faith will be challenged? So when we were in Mexico and I, I don't want to, I'm already getting like a little teary eyed, but, uh, I, I'll keep composed. So when we were in Mexico, I found out that a friend had left the church um, on social media. Uh, this wasn't like a super close friend, but someone that if I saw, I'd be happy to see. And I don't know what happened. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no context for why they left the church or or whatever. I just know that as I was, you know, I saw one thing on their feed and that led me to go and follow uh, go and go and look at their page and see previous posts and realize that I had missed a lot of things in their life that had happened that were kind of big. And uh, it wasn't all at once. But I was so, and I'm still, I am so shaken of, of what happened and how, because this was the type of person who I never would have predicted. And, and I don't want to sound, you know, I, I think a lot of people say that, like, I never would have seen this coming. I never would have thought them, right? I could have seen... I guess, kind of the path forward for them to leave. I just had a lot of faith that they never would, if that makes sense. And uh, so it's not like this is completely blindsided or anything like that. But it it did catch me off guard in the sense that uh, clearly I hadn't been paying attention to the small things that have been happening in their life. And uh, it just, I'm heartbroken. I truly am heartbroken. And I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it and just how sad I am for them. Um, and I don't want that to, to come off like a, a judgy, like, oh, now your life, it's not that. It's, it's I, I'm heartbroken for them because I know that, that this decision for them to, to kind of leave and fall away wasn't something that they had chosen initially. It, uh, I know it was, you know, some really tough things happened in their life. And like really horrible, horrible things happen in their life and things that I pray I never have to go through. And then I think, you know, it, 
their faith was definitely challenged. And I think anyone would have, like, it would, obviously that would have happened. But that as their faith was challenged, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was one decision to the next decision to then it just became easy. And that's why I'm heartbroken. So it's not this, you know, I feel like I'm better than them because not at all. In fact, I'm more scared for me. Like, I'm like, well, crap, if they're able to fall away, then I'm not that good of a person. So I need to be extra careful. Um, I just, the thing I came away with and I told, um, I told Devin and Kelsey and Charlie and Dan this on the trip. I was like, guys, you need to know if anything, if you ever leave, like I, I will find you, I'll hunt you down and I will talk to you. <laughs> like I will tell you, I will make sure to do anything I can to keep you, to keep you just as close to the gospel as possible. You know, the thing that sticks out to me is I don't know the response. You know, I don't know what you do when someone falls away because I've seen people on social media talk about how judgy, you know, members of the church feel after they left and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Okay, what do you want me to say? Like, if the point is to still love you, I do still love you. But my personality is the type that when I love someone, I am kind of aggressive. You can ask anyone that's really close to me. Like, when I love someone, I, I let them hear it and I let them have it. Um... And uh, so, so I don't know, like, do I stop, do I stop being me? Do I stop pretending? Do I pretend that I'm like, you know, all accepting? I, I can't do it, you know? And, and when I say accepting, I don't mean like, I have plenty of people in my life who have left the church. And when I say plenty, I actually do mean plenty. It's, it's kind of sad when I think about it, but, but I still love them and I do not treat them any different. Um, because to me, it's, it's like, like we're supposed to love everybody. It's not just because supposed to. Like I love loving everybody, or at least trying. I mean, you know, I feel like I'm rambling. The I just I think the point I'm trying to make is like, you don't have to be happy, and nor should you be happy, when people fall away. I, that makes no sense to me. And also, we shouldn't be judgy. We shouldn't, you know, be the holier than thou or whatever. But to be like all accepting makes no sense to me either. It, it, you know. And so I think from Jacob's example, I think it's perfect because his response is is just straightforward. It's direct. And it's not this, um, you know, like, oh, yeah, Sharon, I could totally see your perspective. Nope. That's not what he says. And maybe it's different because he was the prophet. But I think the, to me, I've, I've too, I've, I too often fall into the trap of like, oh, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I get your perspective. I won't. I don't think that's helpful. And I think Jacob kind of shows how is that your faith should not be affected. And you need to, I don't know, you need to be honest and direct. And when you love someone, I think you need to, to say it as it is. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Like, I'm still trying to figure it out. I really am. And uh, in my experience, I still haven't found the right answer. I do know you love everybody and you keep loving them no matter what. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, as far as the, you know, how could his faith not be shaken? I think it's because he knew who he, who he was, he knew who he trusted in, and he remained faithful to that. And I think that's what we have to do as well. And I'd far rather do that than fall into the trap of like, oh, I totally see your perspective. And then that leads you to start looking at their perspective. And, you know, you end up falling out of your faith. And, uh. That's just not the life I want to live personally.
Well, uh, finally, in the last, in the second section, ideas for family scripture study and family home evening. In the first chunk, it says Jacob 5. Some families have found it helpful to draw the symbols from the allegory of the olive tree as they read it. I've already said that I did that for myself. I think it would be great to do it with my family. However, Flynn drew on my mom's wall with permanent marker yesterday, so he will not be drawing anything. And that is that. Uh, it's just, I don't know, literally as I was reading that, and then that happened, and then I came back to this and, and looked at it. I was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. We are not doing anything with drawing right now. He is in trouble. His hands are actually still permanently blue because he not only drew on her walls, and you got to understand, my mom, my mom's house is entirely white. Like, everything's white. And uh, it was everywhere. Oh, my gosh. It was horrible. It was, uh, for a small second, coronavirus completely disappeared off the minds of my family as all we could think about was a permanent blue Sharpie. And, uh, <laughs> oh, it was horrible. But, I, I mean, that's kids for you. Anyway, um I think the rest are great, but I'm going to jump down finally to improving our teaching. It says memorize a scripture, select a scripture passage that blah, blah, blah. select a scripture passage that is particularly meaningful to your family, and memorize it together. Elder Richard G. Scott taught a memorized scripture becomes an enduring friend that is not weakened with the passage of time. And I've been thinking about this just on my own. So having this about like you know where it says to do it kind of helps me want to do it. So. You know, probably next week I'll let you know what scripture we've decided to memorize and let you know how that goes. But, uh, yeah. So finally, I want to close with the scripture. Uh, this was just another scripture that stood out to me. It was in Jacob chapter 7, verse 26. And it says, And it came to pass that I, Jacob, began to be old, and the record of this people being kept on the other plates of Nephi, wherefore I conclude this record, declaring that I have written according to the best of my knowledge, by saying that the time passed away with us, and also our lives passed away like as it were unto a dream, we being a lonesome and solemn people, wanderers, cast out from Jerusalem, born in tribulation, in a wilderness, and hated of our brethren, which caused wars and contentions, wherefore we did mourn out our days. That is super optimistic. Jacob really appreciated it. No, I'm just kidding. Genuinely, though, I read that. As, it, as you kind of close his book, that's how he closes it. And I'm like, well, that was different than Nephi. And because, uh, you know, Nephi's kind of like this eternal optimist. And then Jacob's like, and we lived out our days as it were a dream. We were hated by our people. And we mourned. Uh, the reason this sticks out to me, though, and I kind of making a joke about, you know, how he wasn't an optimist. But I just want to point out. The, yeah, Jacob and Nephi were really different in their in the way they wrote, but they were two great prophets. And I know for me, my personality is a little different. And a lot of times I will stop and compare myself to others who I find super faithful. Like I have friends that are just super faithful and great people and they're optimistic. And I do not count myself as an optimist, if I'm being honest. And uh, I... I think this sticks out to me because you don't have to be one personality in this church. You don't. And you can be a great member. In fact, you can be a prophet and not be the stereotypical kind of what, what we think of as the ultimate like prophet, right? And, uh, and I don't know. I'm only reading between the lines because that's all I have. But Jacob doesn't seem like he was a crazy optimistic person. I just know he was a strong, faithful member and pretty realistic, it seems like, you know, he said it as it was, he didn't beat around the bush with things, uh, he wrote, you know, a chapter that was 77 verses long, 
He didn't like writing. <laughs> but he was different than Nephi, and the Lord still used him uh, to the full extent of, you know, his, his abilities, like Jacob's abilities, right? And it was amazing. You know, he's an amazing prophet. And so if you ever think, like I do, that your personality is different and that you're not like the stereotypical Latter-day Saint, guess what? There isn't one, and you shouldn't be one. In fact, I, I would suggest that it, it, you should be who you are and then let the Lord make you better uh, because that's what I'm trying to do. And even though I look at myself like a prickly, you know, porcupine as a member, uh, I know the Lord can still use me and I'm trying to get better every day and, and be what the Lord wants me to be. And I do my best not to be what I think, what I think the Lord wants me to be, if that makes any sense. But uh, there is a place for you here. There's a place for all of us. And we all are different. And that's a good thing. And the worst thing, I think, would be to say that we all have to be the same. Because that's that's not what the Lord wants at all. So, uh, yeah, Jacob is now done. Uh, we're moving on to Enos. And, uh, I mean, I guess it's super exciting. Uh, I I want to thank everyone. This one was a little longer than typical, and I I know it's because you know coming back, I'm a little more ADD than normal from vacation. So I apologize for that. I like I said, I'll try to keep it uh, more to thirty minutes. Um, but I just want to thank everyone for the support and listening. But I really would love feedback. Also, if you had any questions or insights that you want to share with me, I want to hear it. And I always say that, but I've realized I've never said how. So if you go on to Anchor, you have to have an account, but it's free. Um, but if you go on to the Anchor uh, thing for my show, it has an ability that you can leave a message to me. Uh, I believe it's a voice message. I, I personally don't know how like that super works. I just know that it like it's really good in guiding you through how to do it. But you can either leave like a voice memo or a clip or I'm sure you could type a message. I don't know. Mess around with it, figure it out, I guess. Or you could also just message me on social media, on Facebook, and kind of share your either feedback, because I I really do appreciate that and love that. Once again, thank you, Bridget. Um, but also can share with me kind of questions you had from the lesson or insights that you want to share. And if there, anything that I said sparked anything, then let me know. And other than that, I will talk to you in a week, assuming that we're all still here. Just kidding. We're all going to be fine. Wash your hands, everybody. Uh, thanks. This has been Dolan. Bye.